1: The Dateable podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work, or not. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating insider, if you will. On each episode, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. Today, our guest, his name is Mark Green, and he's here to talk about men and masculinity. We saw him on this panel about changing faces of masculinity, a conversation about what it means to be a man today. So, hi, Mark. Howdy. Hi. Nice to have you with us. Coming to us from New York. So, um, we have sort of a time difference here, but thank you for taking the time out to talk with us, I'm going to give a quick bio about who you are. (laughs) Mark is an executive editor for the Good Men Project, and his articles have received over 250,000 Facebook shares and 10 million page views. Mark writes and speaks on culture, society, family, and fatherhood, affirming changes emerging from the modern masculinity movement. Mark writes and speaks on men's issues for the Good Men Project, the Shiver Report, the New York Times, Salon and BBC, and the Huffington Post. In addition, he's published two books, Remaking Manhood and his most recent, The Relational Book for Parenting. Oh, that's a lot. So um, give us a kind of a background about yourself. First of all, you are married. How did you get involved in this Good Men Project?
2: Sure well, it's funny i'm I'm here I have a book on manhood and a book on uh parenting, and somewhere in the middle i I, I think there's probably dating hiding in there somewhere <laughs> um, you know the Goodman project itself i i a long time ago after my son was born, I began writing about parenting. I was part of that that wave of uh dad bloggers, right stay at home dads and uh so that was the beginning of writing, but a sh- pretty soon thereafter. I began to realize uh, that, you know, this this definition of men as caregivers and and men staying home, you know, looking after their kids was a pretty radical departure from what is normally acceptable in terms of the performance of manhood in America. You know, we were the oddballs. There was this whole terrible narrative in a lot of TV commercials, like. but generally they had dads dropping their kids upside down and falling down flights of stairs with them and whatnot because it was uh, utterly impossible that a man would be able to do that kind of caregiving, right? Mm -hmm. So we began to push back against those ideas a lot. That was the beginning of sort of a, a growing awareness of how men are defined in our culture and what we are considered to be allowed to do. As real men and what tasks or ways of being in relationship with others we're, we're considered not allowed to do.
1: And that's really interesting you say that the old notion of what a dad is is replacing what a mom would do. But you're saying that there's just no defined role for a dad, especially a stay-at-home dad.
2: It's changing though. It's really growing quickly now, I think. But go ahead.
1: How is that changing?
2: I think there's a general understanding now that that the world is changing and that, for example, if women are moving into positions of greater authority in companies and business, um, if they're pushing up against that glass ceiling, then in many cases, men are going to need to be able to take care of more of what's happening at home, which includes raising kids. And as we all know, we've had several major economic collapses. So a lot of men are home taking care of kids because Frankly, their wives are have better earning power, or because they have been unable to keep working. Or, God forbid, because it's what it's a role they would prefer. And their wives' earning power allows them to do that. So
0: what are some of the main issues that you think men do face today?
2: We are in the middle of a of a massive cultural shift in terms of how we define manhood and the impact that men have had. On women's lives versus what the likely relationship will be in the future. Um, The Me Too movement um, and Time's Up and all of these sort of uh, powerful waves of change moving through culture uh, is forcing men to address the question of, you know, what is our privilege and what have we assumed we have the right to? And how is that going to have to change if women are gaining uh, higher levels of of uh, economic and social authority, both inside the family and out. We can't keep playing the same game we played uh, for 100 years uh, leading up till now.
1: My issue with a changing gender roles has always been that for the last decade, we focused so much on women's identity, In our progress that we forgot about men. I think a lot of the men in our culture today, you know, the single and the non-single ones are having a hard time defining masculinity for themselves, what their roles are. And -hmm. also women have a hard time trying to figure out their expectations from men. So for example, um, you know, like Julie and I are like at the in between of younger generation and older generation. So huh. we kind of feel like, oh, you know, the man should pay for a first date or, you know, the, the old ways of chivalry. But at huh. the same time, we're also independent women and right. men have a hard time dealing with that too. They're like, okay, so so if I do pay for a date, does that take away from your independence? Hmm. What do you think it is happening now? Are we shifting our focus more towards men, or at least equally towards men?
2: I think it's safe to say that the feminist movement has done a lot of things in terms of creating change. But one of the things that feminism really asked of women was to take a hard look not only at what the culture was forcing on them, but also what aspects of culture they had internalized. You have to look inside and say... What belief systems have I internalized that are actually limiting my ability to have a better life? Mm -hmm. That conversation has been going on through, through many different waves of feminism, right? This conversation is now happening with men. Men are being asked to, hey, okay, fine. You may have privilege and you may have at the root of patriarchy and all these other supposed positions of power. But you're actually uh, living lives that are very limited. And you have to look inside and see what you've internalized from culture. There's a thing called the man box. And basically, it's a set of rules that – and the first rule of the man box is men are not allowed to express emotionally. Another one is that men are always providers, not caregivers. Men are all into sports, and that's what they talk about. Men are uh, limited in many different ways by these sort of cultural rules of being a real man which are limiting our ability to connect, to connect with other men, to connect in relationships, to live fully connected relationships in our lives. Mm -hmm. And that, that single issue, I, I don't know if you're aware, but the AARP did a, um, a study in 2010. And what they discovered was that, uh, one in three Americans age 45 and older are chronically lonely. We have these rules for performing gender in our culture that are breaking down. Clearly they are, especially among young people. But we still have this epidemic of isolation. And it is because men uh, perform the man box rules of manhood. Mm -hmm. And when we break away from that, when we say, no, I want richer, more connected uh, relationships, that starts to shift for us. But it's very difficult for men, uh, you know, I think age 30 and older, to really become mindful of the, of the cultural controls that are on them.
0: Do you think it's a problem because they also feel like there's a level of expectations that they can't meet?
2: Absolutely. Men are str- well, and, and economically, we know that, that uh, a lot of the ways which men traditionally were able to earn a living are going away. And that would be blue collar. That would be mm. um, industry, manufacturing, all that stuff. Accordingly, if you define yourself as a provider... And as a leader, and it's always being certain and and being stoic, and you lose that economic self definition. You 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 you're out of work. You're not generating revenue. You you don't suddenly magically shift to caregiving or providing support at home as a way to create your identity. Right. Your identity your identity is faltering badly in those moments, and it's because we don't. We don't have a circle of relationships we can rely on to process those kinds of challenges. Men don't have ways to connect and process things like divorce, illness, loss of employment. All those major crises are going to hit us at some point in our lives. And if we don't create a a robust set of connections in our lives to help us, community has always been the way that we've processed uh, challenges. But American culture particularly is so focused on this idea of It's not a valid accomplishment unless I do it alone, do it by myself, do it Mm -hmm. on my own. That culture of individualism is all part of this man box narrative, right, for men. So when women date men, when men date women, we don't come at this from an authentic relational space where in the back and forth of relating, we co-design a relationship. We come at it from our roles, right? A man's role and a woman's role. And those roles but up against a whole new set of expectations we have about what what our culture really is becoming. Yes. And it's a collision right there.
0: We've seen from women's perspective that they still are very conscious of what a male does for a living because they want to make sure that they can be this person that does support and provide. Even mm-hmm. in modern times, Like that hasn't fully gone away. Mm-hmm. And I think we've also seen a lot of men not wanting to necessarily commit and be in a full long-term relationship until they have their career in a place that they feel good about because then Mm -hmm. they can't live up to that
2: role. Right, right. You know, it's fascinating. We've had a whole evolution of thinking about the work that gets done in the home as being valid work, as being challenging, difficult. I mean, you want to do hard work, raise a kid. It's meaningful, but it's challenging. And we've had this whole thing where we're trying to say, look, the work that women do in the home is incredibly valuable. If you put a dollar figure on it, it would be, you know, 80,000 a year, however you want to value it. But you put a man in that role and we haven't had that conversation. What, what does it mean when a man does all that work in the home, right? Mm. I mean, God forbid we should even consider that. And I don't think many people really date with the idea that the person sitting across from them is going to take care of all of that. Maybe men look at women that way yep. still a little, although I doubt it. Yep. But God forbid that a man should be looked at as, oh, well, he can do all of that and support me. And my... There, there's a fascinating phenomenon that takes place. It's called retrograde. Um, expectations and and what it is I, I wrote an article about this a while back. But there was a woman who made that sort of agreement with her husband. She was a very high paid executive, and she and he began to take care of the kids and do the homework. And what she discovered as that process went forward is she began to resent him for it. We have this this difficulty squaring up what our intellect tells us about what we want to create in terms of our relationships and then what this sort of retrograde conditioning all these things we've internalized that we haven't really processed fully begin to raise their heads in ugly ways when we break the rules of the roles we're expected to play.
1: So one thing that that worries me a little bit Mark is that if you look at suicide rates of males around the world they're going mm-hmm. up. And Mm -hmm. also, if you look at a lot of these um, shootings that happen, it's always Mm -hmm. the male that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's doing this. Take us inside the male psyche in modern times. What is Mm -hmm. driving men to feel, one, lonely? Because I do hear this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And two, this sort of like frustration from not having a community that they can they can express their feelings with.
2: We talk a lot about this idea of uh, emotional expression or learning to connect in relational ways right which which in our in the work that my wife and I are doing the books that we're writing we're talking about the fact that that boys and men as early as age 4 are trained away from their emotional acuity and their ability to connect there's a book by Judy Chu called when boys become boys in the population that Judy Chu looked at which is kids in preschool she was embedded in a classroom for 2 years and, for example, she had a little boy who's four years old come up to her and say, Ms. Chu, I-, I just want you to know I'm friends with all the girls, but don't tell any of the boys in my group because if you do, they'll kick me out of the group and I won't have a group. Oh. Now, the issue here is not that, gee, it's sad he couldn't be friends with the girls, although that is. What's remarkable is that you have a four-year-old who's already tracking the appropriate things to do if you're going to be yeah. a real boy, and cutting out, removing, uh, uh, suppressing the parts of himself that he already knows don't fit. So we have a culture that literally hammers away at boys to hide their Mm -hmm. joy in relationships and their need for connection. Now you you have boys and men taking guns and going into schools. You have men committing suicide because they've literally not had the years of time it takes to grow their ability to do the trial and error work of relationships and get good at it. Mm -hmm. We've stripped them of that capacity.
0: Interesting. What are some like other masculine advice, like I'm saying masculine in air quotes, like traditional types of things that are like drilled into men's or boys minds from an early age?
2: Well, that real men um, are sexual aggressors Mm -hmm. and that the more sex you have, the yeah. more successful the man you are. Mm. Imagine the impact of that across a culture, right? Right.
0: It's never like, oh, what emotional connection have you made? It's mm. how much sex yeah. are you having?
2: And this, this process of defining everything in terms of uh, achievements, goals, outcomes, mm-hmm. none of that. Takes into account that we do most of our most meaningful experiences are in the relating, in the daily back and forth in the relationships that we're embedded in, right? Yep. In those moments, we create, we share our authentic selves. We deal with our stuff that's really deep down inside that has to be dealt with. And none of that takes place when everything's about goals and, and money and, mm-hmm. and outcomes and. And public uh, performances of success.
0: Well, it's interesting because those are all very like quantitative metric. And mm-hmm. I can see where there's like a disconnect and pressure and then just – additional mm-hmm. depression and anxiety that happens when you're not meeting those specific quantitative metrics.
2: Well, and those quantitative metrics, you know, they say they say that one of the biggest challenges of, of this traditional manhood is that you never prove you've done it. You have to keep proving it every day. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that you prove it is you police other men for not doing it well enough. So we have this pecking order vertical uh, structure in which it, all men are nervously looking over their own shoulder to make sure they're performing manhood right and mm. policing other men for not wearing the right color shirt or, mm. or uh, God forbid, being gay or anything else, right? So we have a whole structure of policing and bullying that men are trapped in, and the way out for men is to simply walk away from it and say, this is killing me, This and it is killing men. I mean, the, the, when you talk about levels of emotional isolation like we're dealing with now... It, is the, it has the health equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. It raises the likelihood of almost every major illness, including heart disease, diabetes, oh. obesity, uh, neurodegenerative diseases, all of that stuff. We're in the middle of an epidemic, and we don't even see it.
1: I see the epidemic <laughs> just from yeah, our, yeah. our own dating well, lives. Also, but- too, like, drug and alcohol
0: usage is more common among yeah. men as well. So that's like an outlet for not being able to deal with
2: feelings, too yeah yeah how so when
1: most men oh, learn how to date,
2: how do men learn how to date? Mm-hmm. I would say men um are given their first understanding of gender politics in those little policing moments when they're four, five, six, seven, eight, when pre puberty when they're going through this this construction of what girls and boys are. I think that when you talk about things like patriarchy, which I define as. The, the sort of man box rules, mm-hmm. the idea that men have to do this a certain way. We need to own the fact that many, many women have internalized that as well about yeah. men. And they 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 demand that men perform masculinity in that way. Absolutely. And if you if you wanna I mean I don't know how many women uh, can handle the process by which a man would begin to talk about his real internal world his or, and his, his real emotional, his hidden emotional side, because that can be really challenging to watch and to take a long time to complete. And often when they begin to express emotionally, that can look like a lack of certainty, a lack mm-hmm. of dependability a when in fact it's the road to greater certainty and greater dependability
0: so they've been drilled in from an early age that women won't like them if they disclose that or they because they won't feel like they're confident and certain is that what you're saying or am i misinterpreting that
2: well i'll tell you something a lot of men have said to me they have said women like to see some emotional expression but not too much Mm, so they're getting direct feedback right uh that hey you know that's enough of that
0: just like someone that's like assertive and confident is always something that women will say that they're looking for in a man. Right,
2: right. Well, that's a performance of confidence. Real confidence is being able to express authentically.
1: Yep. So what do we do about this? I'm sure this is a million dollar question, but one of our mm. past guests said one of the biggest issues with modern dating is that men have become softer and the women have become harder. Is yeah, that? Yeah. What do you think about that statement?
2: All that is, is code language for women who have begun standing up for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's all that is. Women have a multitude of reasons to become toughened up, become harder. Uh, and, and not the least of which is, I don't think it's a safe world for women either in dating or, and and the expectations of dating. We haven't, men haven't made it easy for women to feel, uh, trust. We've made them have to go through a bunch of, of really high level security checks with a guy before they will trust him. Yeah, And that's understandable. Men are probably carrying similar energy about women one thing that I can tell you that we can do, um, and there's this narrative out there that men have to choose between their friends or their girlfriend Mm. and, I think it's very important that women understand that men need to be embedded in a in a group of relationships beyond their primary romantic relationship, or they will not be healthy. And there's science backing this stuff up. So one of the things that's important is to understand that that group of guys that your significant other may be hanging out with are important to his well-being. Now, those relationships can be lousy, and that's not helpful. They can be sexist. They can be a bunch of bad things. But ideally... You don't want to, you want to make sure that, that your partner is embedded in a, a number of positive relationships in his peer group, just like you are in yours. Hmm. That's one thing that we can do that isn't like, okay, we got to shift the whole planet on its axis, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, probably my other thought of things that we could do is obviously from a younger age. Like, I mean, we have a lot of parents that listen to this podcast. Yep. So it's like something... I
2: have a, we, we have a book called the relational book for parenting and right. the entire book is based on the on the idea that we can begin to grow our children's daughters and sons' ability to form meaningful relationships. And all we have to do is introduce the ideas of how that can work and give them the, the time to do the trial and error work to get there. If you want to see some of the relational book for parenting content, you can go to thinkplaypartners.com. And we have a video there, and we have some pages from the book. This my co-author, uh, Doctor Salih Hababa, is a couple and family therapist. We have a lot of really good information in there uh, about how to grow these capacities in our sons and daughters.
0: Awesome. So you're, I hear from you a lot of like re, like they need other relationships. They need to expand their circles. What about Mm -hmm. some of the other, like, man box stereotypes of, like, men should be the provider? Well, you
2: know, one of the things that it's important to understand about uh, my position on the man box, traditional manhood, which is to be a provider, to be strong, to be certain, to uh, maybe be emotionally stoic, none of those aspects of manhood are in and of themselves problematic. When when you talk about the man box, you're not talking about those aspects of manhood. You're talking about the enforcement of them. Right. right that all men have to behave that way. If we we can take our definition of manhood and open it wide up so that all different versions, all different masculinities are equally valued, then those will exist to the degree that is natural and normative for them in, in a population of men. But we will get much wider ranging versions of manhood. And I think that's a way to solve this problem where where women and men aren't aren't matching up because you have a wide range of of, of performances of womanhood, right? There's no there's no limitation to that. Tomboys are considered a-ok, right? Mm-hmm. You can do this wide range of versions, um, but men are in this narrow track. And if we open it up, I think there's a better chance that men and women will have in the population will meet up with someone who matches up with them.
0: So I agree that women definitely have a larger range, but there's still like a notion that women should behave a certain way or be oh, feminine. absolutely.
2: But a rebel woman, I think, is more respected, a woman who's breaking out of those rules. I, I have a thing where I, where, that I refer to as the Hallmark card of expression rule for women, and I've written about this. Women are are allowed to show more emotions, exactly, but there there are some emotions they are not allowed to show. One is a, 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 to be aggressive. for right. For a man right. to be aggressive in business, he's successful. for a woman to be aggressive in business, she she's got something wrong with her. Right. but yeah. additionally, they're not allowed to show grief or or rage or any of these other emotions which are common to us as human beings and which when you suppress them, it's highly problematic. So I didn't mean to imply that women have a free pass on on expression. They right. don't. But It's
0: probably something that needs
1: to just evolve with both genders. But one thing that does happen, and going back to this notion of men have become softer, women have become harder, is that for a lot of women, men have become obsolete in some ways. If you think about it, women's earning powers, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's,
2: well, the tradition, the traditional definition of men, certainly, right. right, because
1: we are able to have kids on our own, we can support ourselves, we can hire nannies to take care of the kids. And now it becomes a question of what do we need men for? It's time to take a quick break. So we can tell you about our current sponsor care of a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients personally tailored to your exact needs. Did you know that 90% of people fall short of FDA recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient? care of made it super easy and fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements you need simply by taking a short quiz on their website. The recommendations are based on clinical research and traditional medicine with input from doctors and nutrients, so no BSing there. My results showed that I needed a boost in my energy and that's exactly what I got. So I received a 30 day supply shipped right to my door and all the vitamins and supplements were individually wrapped which was super convenient. So listen up, for dateable listeners only, you can get 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins by visiting takecareof.com and entering the code datable. That's spelled D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Now back to the show. But I'm just trying to figure out what are some solutions here? Because we hear this a lot. A lot of men have just given up on dating and a lot of women are just becoming more resentful of men. And what what I'm also seeing, and this is a much deeper discussion for another time, is that uh-huh. I think San Francisco's we're most accepting of all sorts of masculinity. So we have a lot of blurred masculinity here, and uh-huh. we're accepting of that. But what that is happening is that women are seeking multiple partners. So polyamory is really huge. Open relationships are really big because yeah. they don't they don't feel satisfied in a monogamous relationship anymore. Again, that's for a deeper discussion elsewhere, but what are some things we can do right now in modern dating where we can bridge the gap between men and women and redefine what masculinity is?
2: So one of the things that w- that men and women can do right now when they go out to date is they can set aside the assumptions that they know what that other person is after or that that person, that the rules are somehow understood We have to get better at relating, that is engaging and negotiating an understanding Mm. of what kind of person we're talking to, right? Right. Where they, you know, I would like something a little more traditional. I would like something a little less traditional. Oh, Mm. yeah, well, what does that mean for you? Well, this is what it means for me. Well, can I ask you a question about that word you used? What does that mean? Mm. This back and forth is a new way of being that we, up until now, everybody's just played their roles, right? It's Mm. been about the roles, not the relationship. Right. But now those roles are falling apart and so we need to begin become much better at asking questions about the assumptions that we bring to a relationship oh. and understanding it right?
0: But I actually think this is a positive for our time as well because mm-hmm. like historically because of gender roles people were, women were just marrying for someone to be a provider for them. And now people are marrying for love and or like actual relationship, like you're saying, and like having that person that they can relate to. And I totally see where you're saying that some men, not all men are having trouble actually getting to that level of relating. And some women are also having trouble kind of getting to the point where they Want more than just what they've been told in the past.
1: Well, we don't relate anymore. I feel like on dates we're constantly, you know, trying to do this like me versus you kind of mentality where we're not trying to, like you're saying, Mark, it's it's not about how what are you like as a man, but what are you like as a person. And mm-hmm. I, those are the questions um, that I think we can all take away from this. Like you said, if you say this word about how you felt about something, explain to me why you felt that way. Right. So then I can understand you as a human being instead of as a man.
2: You're going to see, you go, you go two minutes into a conversation like that and you're going to get a pretty clear sense of how much self-reflection a person has done. Mm. Because because we, again, we live in a culture of individualism, which basically says, me, 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 me. What mm-hmm. I want, what I need, what I can do, what I can give you, what I'll trade you. Relationality says, what are we creating together? What's this third entity, this relationship? How do we care for it? What yeah. are, What are we creating in there, right? What mm-hmm. is that? And we, as human beings, have a gift, have a magnificent gift, for reading cues, for noticing, for seeing, for connecting. And our culture has suppressed that. We need to bring that back up again. I, the good news is we are in a, in a, in a time of great change. The bad news is it's probably not going to play out for one or two more generations.
1: Yeah.
2: So, yeah. so we have to, we, it's <laughs> on us to live in this liminal space, right? This between space between what was and what will be. And in that moment, the only thing we have to give us comfort is the ability to form relationships and tell people that we, that we care about them and we value them and that we're okay with how they're different and we're okay with what they're going through. That's where we find our resiliency. That's where we find our community, right?
1: Right. So let's go back to what we can do right now in, (laughs) in the way we are today. And what I'm hearing from you is for men, a lot of men could really relook at their current relationships and try to repair some of the relationships. I know a lot of men who have um, issues with their parents and family and friends. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Well, men
2: are, men are also static too. They, mm-hmm. they, 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 they have friends, but they don't call them. Mm, they don't right. they, they don't they don't do the maintenance on relationships to to get the benefit mm, of them, right?
0: Right. Yeah, like it's looking beyond just romantic partners and just overall relationships.
2: It oh yeah, we don't do the work to, to yeah. keep you know, yeah, I have a best friend. When's the last time you talked to him? Oh, right. Eight months ago. Uh-huh. But I think
0: men are so focused, at least men are interested in dating and finding a partner. All their energy is to these other people they don't really know that well. Mm-hmm. But maybe repairing some of their past like significant relationships would help them in that realm yeah. as well because they just become more open.
1: So that's yeah. a great start for men. What about women? Uh, I feel like <laughs> for me, I'll just speak for myself. I feel like I'm a very I'm very attracted to a very traditional masculine man. And I mm-hmm. would like to change my mindset. Yeah. But how do I get around that?
2: I think that you can have those aspects in a man. My suggestion would be to seek a man who is that and more. We talk about this idea of opening up our definition of manhood so that there are a, there's a multiplicity of masculinities. I mean, you're going to have to make your own choice in terms of how traditional traditional is for you. Mm-hmm. But I assure you that there are multitudes of human beings in each of us, multitudes of versions of ourselves. It's possible to have the both and, and to ask that of the people that we're with. Right.
0: So I agree on an ideal world. It would be to have this, everyone that can do anything, but I think the other side of it, and I've had friends that have gone through this as well, is like really thinking about like what you want in a relationship Mm -hmm. and a partner. And yeah, like you want someone that can provide for you, but is that the most important thing? Like Is having them be like someone that could be a great father one day, Mm -hmm. be as important or if not more important, especially if you're financially stable in yourself. So maybe Uh it's taking a look at all of the different aspects of what you're looking for and coming down with like the most important ones Uh and then being flexible on some of the more traditional aspects that maybe not deal breakers.
2: You know what i what's interesting about what you just said is it it suggests that we can know what we want. Um, I would also suggest to you that that one of the things that you should look for in a prospective partner is a willingness to design and redesign on a regular basis who we are and what we're what we're becoming right. Yes. Because we don't know what circumstances will happen. Yeah, I'm a stable provider. Wait a minute, now I'm not. Right. Something just happened, right? Um, and, and so really, it's this ability and this willingness to look at variables to and to see that we as individuals, not only weekly or monthly, but maybe even daily, are, are changing and are being changed by this relationship we're in with this other person. Mm-hmm. And we need to be mindful of that, that we can grow that. Side of ourselves to negotiate, to connect, to understand, to communicate, and 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 create, co-create something new.
1: But Mark, as you know, with modern dating, online dating, it's a huge aspect of it. And mm-hmm. what happens now on first dates is people are sort of like sizing each other up, and then they don't yeah. give each other enough time to even explore these other dimensions of who someone is. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what's some advice you can give to people who are? Um, heavily online dating, but also looking for the right partner.
2: Full disclosure: I met my wife on Match.com. Oh, okay. Um, I I made an effort in my personal profile to state very clearly that I was not that I was a little bit done with the standard performance of gender, and I wanted to find something different and flexible. And what it attracted was a conversation with someone who wanted to have that conversation.
0: Yeah, that's
2: so, interesting. So, so I think it's important to know that what you say in your online profile is going to attract the kind of person that you are that that, that mirrors your presentation. Hmm. So seeking a conversation about something new and different may get you one of those. We, we are all trying to present what we think other people want. And if we don't know what they want, we don't present anything.
0: So I think that's a good way to lead into takeaways. I think the takeaway that I have, too, is that there is not this one size fits all for men and women. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the benefits too of where we are in society, that it's not that women need a provider. They need something specific that you can just start to understand who this person is as a person and build Mm -hmm. something together opposed to expect them to fill a box for you. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: And and know and understand that whoever you date a year later, they're going to be a different person, as are you. Yep. And if you're not having the kinds of conversations that track and grow and, and revel in that and enjoy that, then you're still going to be talking to someone from a year ago and the person across from you is going to be different now.
1: My takeaway, I have a few. One of them is this idea of relational way and also creating connections. I, I think you're so right, Mark, where you say we're all so independent and siloed in the way we think, in the way we relate to others. And uh-huh. one of the things we can all do, men and women, is to first just look at the relationships you currently have. Uh-huh. How does it define you and what we can do to strengthen our current relationships? Uh-huh. And then I think for for women, um, Especially for me, I feel like a lot of times because online dating is just so prevalent, a lot of times I'm not so aware of how I'm presenting myself because I just think people are shopping online dating like they do on Amazon. But you're so right. Whatever I have in my profile reflects the person I want to be with. So why not get a little deeper in your profile to attract yeah. the person who wants to connect and wants to have a a really deep conversation versus someone
0: who just has nothing. And that goes back to not everyone's in one box of a person. There could be men yeah. that do want to have that deep connection and conversation, and that's who you're trying to seek
2: out. Well, that's the joy of online dating, too. We In my day, you had to walk into a bar, and there's 37 people, and pick one you're interested in. Now you can make a statement about what makes you an individual, and you've got, you've got a, da- a huge data group out there, some of which are going to be looking for that. And we as individuals have the right to be authentically ourselves. And in that moment, you're, instead of the first risk being t- saying something at the first date, just take it in your profile. And save yourself the trouble, right?
0: Mm -hmm, Right. And I think another takeaway is for men, too, to not believe that women just want the stereotype. Like, I mean, personally, my personal experience, like, I would so much rather someone that's, like, vulnerable and open than someone Mm -hmm. that's necessarily, like killing it at sports games all the time and doing all this stuff that's more mm. traditional masculine. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's like good for men to not feel ashamed if they're not that way. Just seek yeah. out people and that can be relation like romantic and non-romantic mm-hmm. that appreciate those values opposed to like scorn them. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and if men start having more uh, more authentic, caring relationships with each other, uh, they'll gain, they'll gain a sense of how rewarding that is. Yeah. Uh, and, good. and I know for a fact that, that men, w- it, when they're in their peer group, they have, they have thoughts, they have internal feelings and thoughts that they will not share because they're pretty sure they'll be shamed for doing it. Yep. Mm. But, as soon, but as soon as one of their, one of the other men say, I've got your back on that, Yep. That it, These conversations come flowing out of them.
0: Yeah. And I also think we hear too from women, like one of the major reasons, like they're not going on that second date is that they didn't feel a connection. connection. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. and A lot of that uh-huh. isn't just the physical traits or like yeah. the traits on paper that they have a good job or all of that. Like it's that they couldn't have that relational conversation.
2: It is in that relational space that we connect. And if we don't go there at all, which is not surprising on a first date that people would say, oh, I'm not going to, you know, but if you can get to some sense of what, how would we co-design, how would we co-create, how would that work mm-hmm. between me and this person? If you can get some little sense of that, it shines a light on what could, be, what could, what could happen, how that could work or how it could not. You know, it's how you can make a judgment about that person and their way of being in the world.
0: I think you just hit a really good point too, that a lot of people aren't doing that on the first date. And especially with the way modern dating is this day and age is that you sometimes only get that first date. Yeah. So it's really important. I love, we've had these conversations on other podcasts too, episodes of just like kind of skipping through the date talk and just Mm -hmm. getting real. And I think for men and women, that could be a takeaway of something that, can kind of help them get to that
1: point faster
0: and have that connection.
1: We got to keep asking why, why did you feel this way? Why did you do that? And that's, that's a way to get deeper in a conversation versus just the yeah. date resume that we right. usually have. Oh, like, oh, like this is day. my job. Yeah. This is yours. This is where I grew up. Yeah.
2: You know, there's a thing called listening with curiosity that we talked about in mm. our book. And it's, it's the idea that we go into a conversation expecting to be surprised and and delighted by what we're going to hear. And when you when you engage someone in that way, you ask questions, you keep looking, you're, you're interested. It elicits a different kind of response than if you go in sort of assuming you know how it's going to go. Right? right or assuming that you both are going to play the roles instead of the relationship yeah but uh, uh but there are people who are just waiting to go ahead and have that conversation they're just looking for permission
0: yeah i think that's it, a yeah. huge thing and
2: remember that we live in a culture which shames and punishes uh men for uh for sharing their authentic internal emotional dialogues mm-hmm. so there's a lot of Fear that for men that if they start talking their real thing, they're going to get laughed at. They're going to get rejected. They're get they're going to get reported on. Well,
1: really insightful talk. So let's wrap this up in the interest of time. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. We'll provide all the necessary links in your show bio. Is there like one? central place, though, that people can find you if they want to learn
0: more about the work you're doing?
2: Yeah, I would go to thinkplaypartners.com.
0: Great. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been really insightful. And hopefully it's just like, if nothing else, like we've been talking about solutions, hopefully people listening to this can just stop and at least evaluate if they're a man or they're a woman in dating men. So I
2: I already
1: have a list of things I need to do.
2: (laughs) Well, I've enjoyed the conversation thoroughly and I look forward to to seeing your list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, listeners, we want to hear from you regarding this topic too: gender roles, the man box, masculinity, femininity. What does it mean in modern dating and just in our modern times? We wanna hear from you and we're gonna wrap this up. Stay dateable. Your action item for this week is to make a list of all the aspects of what you think masculinity should be. It doesn't matter what your gender is. Then look at each item on your list and ask yourself if and how it relates to your core values. By doing this exercise, you should be able to find the aspects of masculinity that matter to you most and cross out the things that are what society tells you to value but may no longer be applicable to you. This episode of Datable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. where we connect you with Datable-approved experts to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching, and even gathering real feedback about your dating style in a personalized and affordable way. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode.